Hey, this is Coach Freddie here, inspiring people to do the things that inspire them, and welcome to the iHemp Revolution, where we'll be discussing the benefits of growing and using industrial hemp for people, planet, and profits. Conversations about the history, legalization, farming, harvesting, processing, building, manufacturing, investing, and how industrial hemp can benefit people's lives, heal the planet, and how it can be used to make thousands of products, boost the economy, and business. So, are you ready to join the iHemp revolution? My guest today is attorney David Bush. David Bush believes the practice of law is about solving problems reasonably, ethically, and professionally. He finds creative and proactive approaches to help maximize opportunity while minimizing the risk of conflict. David has practiced law for over 25 years, working for the Denver District Attorney, Colorado Attorney General, Minnesota Court of Appeals, and the law firms in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Denver, Colorado. In January of 2015, he opened his own civil law practice, David Law, in Wheat Ridge, Colorado. He represents individuals and businesses in the industrial hemp industry and practice in the area of construction defects, business law, commercial litigation, employment claims, and federal claims. He lives in Denver with his wife, Carrie, their daughter, Jesse, and a dog, Peter, and two cats, Peter and Camille. <laughs> so, David, welcome to the iHemp Revolution. Well, thank you. Thank you for introducing my whole family there, including our pets. <laughs> <laughs> David, can you give us a little bit more background on yourself and how you got started in the, you know, industrial hemp and why industrial hemp? Uh, I got started in industrial hemp really out of uh, friendship and curiosity. Uh, I practiced in a uh, firm in downtown Denver for 15 years. Uh, last year, there was a significant change in the management of the firm, and we were searching around for some additional sources of business. At about that time, uh, a friend of mine was coming to Colorado from out of state, and I hadn't seen him in a while, and uh, so I, I said, gee, I'd love to meet up with you. Uh, and he said, I'm going to the normal legal conference in Aspen. you got to meet me out there. Uh, normal is the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Well, I, I took this really as just a chance to meet my friend, and I went out there. Um, but I, I had already had a curiosity in industrial hemp. And when I got out to this conference, I was looking at some of the pro promotional information on normal, and, and they have three major focuses in that organization. One of them is recreational marijuana, which is what they're really known for. Another is medical marijuana. And the third is industrial hemp. So one out of three is industrial hemp. I thought to myself, well, gee, this is a chance for me to talk to some of the best and brightest attorneys in the country who have flown in for this conference, and they can tell me a little bit about industrial hemp. So that was a setup for me to go meet my friend in Aspen. So I went out there. I started talking to attorneys about industrial hemp. And you know what I found out? They didn't know anything. <laughs> they didn't know anything about industrial hemp. And 
they they gave me the name of one person that they were repeatedly mispronouncing and misspelling, uh, but they're all kind of similar uh, in pronunciation and spelling as a person in Colorado that I might connect up with. Well, I left there thinking, wow, I just talked to some of the best and brightest cannabis attorneys in the nation, and they are totally remiss. And putting two and two together, I thought, wow, well, we're looking for some new areas of practice in my firm. I think I just found one. So that that's how I got started in industrial hemp, by talking to a lot of people who I thought would know a lot, and they didn't. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. Very, very interesting. And that's kind of how things uh, you know unfold uh, in, in a lot of different issues. Uh, so... What are some of the hot-button issues in industrial hemp that you found? Well, I, I think uh, there are a number of hot-button issues going on, and some of them actually are issues that go hand-in-hand -hand with the marijuana industry. So we have a lot in common. And uh, some of the things that we have in common with the marijuana industry is there are tremendous problems right now with insurance, banking, and taxation in that, uh, marijuana and hemp are both classified under federal law as Schedule I controlled substances, which are the worst of the worst. Schedule I controlled substances are worse than heroin. They're worse than cocaine. And that's a little odd to think about with industrial hemp. That is something that you grow to make T-shirts out of a drug, but it's still considered a harmful drug by the federal government. As a result of that, there are many federal programs and benefits that are not available or available only at a very great difficulty and cost to the cannabis industry. Very difficult to get a bank account, very difficult to buy insurance, and taxes are incredibly high for cannabis businesses, and this could include industrial hemp, because we're treated like organized crime. There's a regulation that the Internal Revenue Department has is called 280E, as in egg. And 280E basically says you can't take most ordinary business write-offs. Uh, cost of goods you can write off, that's about it. And so what you find is that taxes can be effectively 70 or 80% for your typical retail kind of cannabis business probably lower than that for a cultivator, so it wouldn't hit industrial hemp quite as hard, but the upshot is still things that we normally would write off as business expenses can't be written off, and uh, that's a tremendous burden on business. So wow. those are some things we have in common with, with the cannabis industry. Wow. Um, I, I will tell you there's a few other things that are really more particular to hemp, for example, interstate international markets. Now, no one is trying to ship marijuana across state lines. No one is trying to, well, I should say no one who isn't involved in criminal activity is not. <laughs> Anyone running a legitimate business is not trying to ship marijuana across state lines or international boundaries. There is tremendous interest and actually a lot of activity going on now with respect to hemp in that regard. Um, I mean, think of growing wheat in North Dakota. There wouldn't be a wheat industry in North Dakota if the stuff wasn't shipped around the world. Oh, okay, exactly. exactly. Uh, they don't have a market in North Dakota to buy all that wheat. 
um, if we really want to have a serious hemp industry, we've got to be able to have trade among the, the several states and uh, the nations of the world. Um, that is not permitted uh, in most respects under federal law, again, because hemp, just like marijuana, is considered a dangerous drug and can't be shipped. Um, so that is something that we need to resolve. What about one of the hot issues that I hear is about the uh, seed certification? Let's compare hemp and marijuana. Marijuana industry has existed for a long time. It was just underground. And so marijuana has had the benefit of many, many years of cultivation and experience in the business, so to speak. And so when marijuana became legalized in Colorado, there already were pretty good varieties here. I mean, people had good plants because they've been growing them for decades. Uh, and they've been cultivating them and, and breeding and getting the characteristics they wanted. There was no hemp industry in Colorado. We started from zero, literally from zero. And uh, so people were scrambling to find any kind of seed they could that would grow something that we could call industrial hemp. A lot of times people were just collecting seeds from feral varieties, weeds, literally, that were growing in ditches in Nebraska and eastern Colorado. They were smuggling in seeds from abroad. Uh, and what we ended up getting was this mismatch, this, uh, you know, just hybrid mongrel kind of varieties in Colorado, which is largely what we're growing here today. Nobody really knows what they have. Mm-hmm. Nobody really knows uh, when they plant a seed in the ground exactly what it's going to look like when it sprouts and when it matures. And that is because we do not have established cultivars. We do not have any kind of certification for the seeds of what we're growing. It's a guess. And really, in many respects, it becomes just a very expensive hobby for people when they're trying to grow hemp. Because how do you plan a business? How do you run a business when you really don't know what you're process is going to look like over exactly um, so that has really uh, been a problem for people trying to grow hemp is uh, it's kind of a crapshoot when they're planting um, now there was a very significant development that occurred in June of this year June 5th Governor Hickenlooper signed S196 it was an act of the Colorado General Assembly and it did a number of things, but the one that I'm going to talk about today is that it established uh, authority by the Colorado Department of Agriculture to create a seed certification for hemp. Fantastic. And, and that is, yeah, that is a tremendous development. Um, it's going to take a few years for this program to really take shape, but... Essentially, what we're going to have is this. We are going to have people who are uh, cultivating, breeding uh, varieties of hemp to try to come up with a stable variety, something that they can reproduce generation after generation. They will be able to take those seeds from those plants to the Department of Agriculture, have the Department of Agriculture test them by growing them, uh, and then evaluating the THC content and certifying that, yes, these seeds will grow industrial hemp. They won't grow marijuana. They don't have enough THC to qualify as marijuana. Um, at that point, those seeds can then be, or that type of seed can be sent up to Colorado State University, which is the state 
Center for Seed Certification. And they'll go through the same process that every other commercial seed can go through in the state, whether it's wheat or corn or barley or grass seed. There, there's dozens and dozens of different kinds of commercial uh, crops with seeds that are evaluated at this lab and center at Colorado State. They will check it for purity of the seeds, uh, consistency, absence of noxious weeds, absence of foreign material, a lot of things that they will look at like that. And ultimately what they can do is then certify for sale a true bred uh, consistent seed. And what you have at that point is truth and labeling for consumers or for farmers, that they'll be able to buy a seed and they'll know if I plant this under the right conditions, it's going to be industrial hemp. It's not going to be a uh, kind of mongrel marijuana plant that I'm going to have to throw out. They're going to know that this seed will grow a fiber variety or an oil seed variety. They're, they're going to have some reasonable expectation that they're actually going to get a commercial crop out of it for a particular purpose. That's where we're headed in Colorado. And it's a tremendous, tremendous development. Well, that's very fascinating. And, and, and uh, yeah, we have to go in that direction. I, I can see that now. Um, it's going to have commercial growing. That's what we're trying to do is, is establish hemp as a commodity, just like barley and corn and wheat and apples and uh, whatever else. That it is a crop we can grow to make money. You know, you know, I heard a little bit about the, um, especially in Colorado, the local controls, the local laws. What about those laws? Well, that's very interesting. Uh, marijuana and hemp have really developed under uh, some starkly different legal regimens in Colorado. Uh, marijuana, uh, both in the state constitution and in the enabling statute for marijuana, there is recognized a very uh, strong right by local governments, counties, and cities to regulate, even to prohibit marijuana in their jurisdictions if they want. That doesn't mean if you go to, I'll uh, make up the name of the town, I don't tell you right, uh, I'm not saying that's an example, but I'll just pick the name. Doesn't mean if you go to tell you right and you smoke a joint, you're going to get arrested. I mean, um, there is a constitutional right for people to use marijuana in Colorado. But what a town like Telluride can do is regulate the, the manner in which products are uh, grown and uh, processed and retailed and used, um, that that's all that's accorded them under the Colorado Constitution and the enabling statutes. Now, turn to hemp. There really isn't anything like that for hemp. Uh, instead, what the enabling statute, well, the Constitution just authorizes hemp to be grown in Colorado without really, in other words, said, the enabling statute in Colorado for hemp doesn't say anything about local controls. Okay, what it does say is that uh, growing hemp, or at least registering hemp to grow it, is a matter of what they call statewide concern, which essentially puts the regulation of hemp firmly in the hands of the state and not in the hands of local governments. So unlike marijuana, there is relatively little control that local governments are supposed to be able to exercise over the cultivation, processing, distribution, consumption of hemp. Uh, they still can do so. 
And that is where there's some interesting developments happening in Colorado now that are uh, raising some questions about how much authority do local governments have. And I can give you a couple of examples of that. One is right here in the city of Denver. Uh, city of Denver enacted an ordinance recently. It was uh, this spring. Its intent was to clamp down on the proliferation of marijuana caregivers, okay? And if you uh, know anything about the regulation of marijuana in Colorado, there's basically three categories. There's recreational, and there's medical, and then there's something else, which we would call the caregivers. Um, and it's this, that uh, if you want to be a recreational or medical marijuana uh, grower, retailer, whatever in the supply chain, you got to have your license from the state and you're regulated by the Marijuana Enforcement Division and by local law, both. Okay, then the Constitution allows people to grow six plants individually for their own personal use and they can have caregivers grow that for them. And that's the third category, which is unregulated. All right, City of Denver decided it wanted to control the unregulated growth of marijuana. They enacted an ordinance which limited the growing of unlicensed marijuana to 36 plants. Okay? okay. Uh -huh. All right. So far, so good. Here's the problem. The definition that the ordinance used for marijuana was so broad, it swept in industrial hemp. Oh. So... The upshot is, in Denver, we now have an ordinance which basically outlaws commercial production of hemp within the city limits. Because anyone who's a commercial producer is going to have more than 36 plants. Exactly. They can't do that. And it wasn't even the intent of the ordinance, but that's the way it's written. And so it has outlawed hemp in the city of Denver. Oh. Pretty shocking. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and so there is some question whether the city really could do something like that. Uh, even if it was unintentional, which it appears to be. The other example I wanted to give was the uh, county of Pueblo. Uh, they enacted a zoning ordinance. They enacted two, actually, one for marijuana and one for hemp. What's very concerning to us is that the zoning ordinance regarding hemp has all kinds of controls and restrictions that the zoning board imposed on hemp cultivation in the county. Saying, first of all, you can't grow hemp unless we say you can grow hemp. Okay, well, question number one, can the county even say that? I, I doubt they can, but that's what the ordinance says. You have to get permission from us to grow hemp. Second, if you're going to grow male plants, you know, uh, hemp plants have male and female parts uh, or, or uh, expressions. Okay. Just like people do. And uh, so the male plants deliver all the pollen. Uh, for the flowers that make the seeds on the female plants. What Pueblo Zoning Ordinance says is if you're going to grow male plants outdoors, you have to be set back at least five miles from the nearest marijuana grow facility. <laughs> and the only way you could be closer than five miles is if the marijuana growers within that five-mile radius give their approval. So it puts the law in the hands of the marijuana industry to either allow or disallow hemp growers uh, with male plants. And the concern there is cross-pollination. That's a whole other debate we can get into whether there's really even a meaningful risk there. 
be that as it may, this is a local control imposed by the county of Pueblo, and uh, many of us strongly uh, raise doubts as to whether the county has any authority to do that. Third thing it did, and I'll stop there, it said, what about indoor grows? If you want to grow hemp indoors, and a lot of people do, uh, and if you want to have male plants indoors, the indoor facility can't be a greenhouse which I guess means it has to be a bunker of some kind, but that they won't allow greenhouses and whatever other kind of building you construct to grow this, these male hemp plants indoors, you have to employ basically state-of-the-art filtration systems and other prophylactic measures to prevent pollen from escaping. Hmm. So there's all of these onerous burdens put on people by the Pueblo County Zoning Ordinance that we really question whether the county has any authority to do this, and it uniquely burdens the hemp industry, not the marijuana industry or any other industry, just hemp. Those are some real hot issues right now in Colorado. Like how do these local governments do this? Okay, yeah, that sounds very interesting. Um, you know, I have just one last quick question uh, for you here. Uh, what part of the industrial hemp industry do you see moving forward the fastest? I'll tell you where all the money is going. So maybe that's another way of answering the same question. The money is pouring into production of hemp for CBD production. Okay. Um, cannabidiol right now is still very highly valued. And if you can successfully grow hemp and successfully extract the stuff, you've got a commodity that could be worth a lot of money. That is where the real growth has been. And to give you uh, just an inkling of what I'm talking about, last year, 2014, there was very, very little indoor growing of hemp at all. Very little. And you're this talking year, about industrial hemp or marijuana? About industrial hemp, yeah. Industrial hemp is grown both indoors and outdoors. Okay. And, and when it's grown indoors, and this is kind of key to the point I'm making here, when it's grown indoors, that is usually... For one of two reasons, either uh, people are breeding the plant, and so they want a very controlled environment to do their breeding, uh, or they're raising it to extract uh, pharmaceuticals, particularly CBD, okay. because it's a very concentrated, very uh, you know, hands-on kind of production, as opposed to field crops. Okay. Okay, so anyway, 2014, we had uh, almost no indoor growing at all. This year about a half a million square feet. Wow. So it's gone from zero to half a million in a year. And I, I will guarantee you that nearly all that half a million is for CBD production. So that has experienced explosive growth in Colorado. Historically, the other big moneymaker in hemp was seed production because seeds are so valuable. But up until now, people have been selling seeds for anywhere from $500 to $2,500 or more a pound. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, it's like gold, you know. <laughs> very, very expensive. Yeah, that has to change for sure. Yeah, we, we, we anticipate that the, uh, that the market price for hemp seed is going to be dropping by orders of magnitude uh, over the, uh, the coming uh, year or so. And that's just what I've heard from other people. Uh, so it's, it's not my opinion. I'm simply passing on uh, what, what I told anecdotally here. Um, so seed production has been another big growth area, pardon the pun, um, 
But but that is probably going to change quite a bit. Okay. There's still going to be seed production, of course, but it's going to have to be on a very large scale. Uh, and as far as more more uh, traditional kind of crops that we think of associated with hemp fiber, seed oil, you know, honestly, I, I, I am not so sure that there is going to be a big uh, industry in Colorado for those. And it's just that we're not the ideal place to grow it. Okay. Uh, that there are places, uh, especially in the... Uh, uh, central South U.S., Kentucky, Tennessee, they really have more. Anyway, so uh, I, I think a future in Colorado besides CBD and seed production, I think research and development is, okay. is another big area we have uh, where we can see some growth because we have the institutional environment. We've got the know-how. We have the friendly laws in the state to grow hemp. And what that means is we can actually get some university research going. We can have commercial R&D going. I, I would hope that our know-how that we develop in Colorado is something we could export to other states. Okay. Well, David, listen, I want to thank you very much for, um, you know, participating in the iHemp revolution. Well, know, absolutely. Happy to do it. And uh, how can people uh, find you? Uh, what's your web uh, site and email address? Sure. Uh, they can call my office number, 303-422-0064. Uh, my website and my email address have the same root. It's uh, David Law Colorado. So my email address is bush at davidlawcolorado.com. My website is www.davidlawcolorado.com. I want to thank all our listeners uh, and make sure that you subscribe to the iHemp Revolution podcast on iTunes and give us a review. And please tell your friends about the iHemp Revolution and help spread the word on Facebook, Twitter, and all your social media. This is your host, Coach Freddie, inspiring people to do the things that inspire them. And thanks for joining the iHemp Revolution.